0: again everyone glad that you're here if you're present in the building or watching online pray that you have enjoyed the series i I, we we do these they're called bumper videos and we make them ourselves and i'm going to miss miriam's voice uh, every week Uh, we may have to have her do another one coming up really soon that's kind of a back story but please turn to hebrews 11 and i want to round this series back around to this truth about trusting in God in every way. Uh, we've sung of it this morning. We've, we've spoken of it. And so it, we, we have an election in two weeks. And, and I don't know about you, but uh, I was intrigued, especially this week with the confirmation hearings uh, that many of you may have watched just to see where our country is. To see dueling town halls and dueling senators and just the whole circumstance. And looking at our country, you come away with a, this, I don't know, sense of dread maybe? Just not knowing what the future holds. And, and I want to say, hey, great news. We're people who walk by faith, not by sight. Because if I was limited to my sight, I would be in a place of desperation. I would be depressed. Because sight is not what drives us. Um, we need, I need somehow my PowerPoint to be on this. <laughs> but I'm gonna, I could sing with every breath that I'm able, I'll sing of the mercy. Of the God. Thank you, Caroline. Yeah, I'll just move forward because I'm walking by faith, not by sight, right? (laughs) Um, Hebrews is an incredible book, and you know Hebrews 11, and I'm going to walk through this chapter. I'm going to try and do it um, quickly, but not so fast I run over it. You understand? Uh, Because it it really needs to be looked at in its entirety. If you really want to, feast, then you have to look at the whole chapter rather than just kind of picking and choosing. So I'm going to kind of run through some parts of the chapter as I talk about faith. And the first thing I want to talk about is this, that faith deals with the unseen. Faith deals with the unseen. You know, the song we just sang, right? Um, You're so, so good. All my life you have been faithful. You're so, so good. And some of you are singing and saying, I don't think so. If I look at my life, I can't see that it's been so, so good. There's stuff in my life. And let me, let me help in love, because I have to do this in the mirror to talk to myself, right? If I walk by sight and I look at the outcome as having to be good, then I am not walking in faith. Faithfulness deals with what is unseen not what is seen. So some of you look at your lives and you say, well, wow, I don't know that God is all that faithful. No, because you're looking at something different than faith. You're looking at outcome or faith. That's why the word of faith movement drives me crazy. It drives me crazy because it's an outcome-based religious idea that if God is faithful, then you're going to get prosperous. And I'm going to show you this morning in Hebrews 11... Nothing could be further from the truth. You may not see the, the God of faithfulness in your lifetime, your children's lifetime, your grandchildren's life. It may be 300 years before you see the faithfulness of God. But God is always faithful. He always comes through. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Right? Right? You know these, we live by faith, not by sight. I mean, these are incredible declarations if you think about it. But honestly, every single one of us is battling today because we think that faithfulness and sight go together. If you can see it, it's not faith. A couple weeks ago, I went on my annual pastor's prayer retreat, except no pastors went with me. Uh, they all, they're all like we're not traveling I'm like I'm going somewhere so I said I'm going to go to Wyoming and I'm going to get a little cabin I'm going to study I'll see Adam who's out there I'll go on some hikes I'll look after. The... then the next thing I know my wife is going with me and another one of my sons said, I want to go too and I said okay you can all go but you can't talk uh, because uh, my blessed wife she's like oh I cannot talk and I'm like oh I don't think so but I said, talking only at designated times. I could do that. And she did great. She did great. And I was able to study and get sermons. I'm looking forward to the sermons coming up this year. We got some great ones this year, next year, series that God has given uh, me to, and our staff to speak on. Anyway, so I went on a hike. I would study all morning. By the middle of the afternoon, we went on a hike, and we went to a place called the Darby Wind Cave. Now, the Darby Wind Cave is in Idaho, on the Idaho side, so Idaho and Wyoming, they're right next to each other. And the Grand Tetons is the mountain range that runs right along the border. So on one side you're in Idaho, and the other side you're in uh, the rich area, Jackson Jackson Hole, uh, you're, you're in the money side. One side's the farmer's side, one side's the money side. I'm on the farmer's side. So uh, we go up, we hike, and it's three miles, uh, it's over three miles, and a 2,000-foot elevation change to get up to this mountain. Now, I would like for you to see that the woman I live with hiked three miles uphill to go to this this cave. That's a satellite. This is where Adam wanted to take us to this cave. Now, this cave is much bigger than it looks. You can see the boys uh, in the bottom of the screen. That's uh, Adam and Caleb standing at the entrance to this cave. The cave actually goes for 11 or 12 miles through the whole Teton Range. You can enter in Idaho and come out on Wyoming side now you got to be a trained what is it spelunker uh to get through you got to have ropes and all that sort of stuff and we didn't we just had headlamps um but you'll see that in a minute so once you crawl up into that big crack and look back out you're still moved way uphill now i would like to say that my wife stayed outside of this part she had had plenty she'd had, had more than plenty uh at this point and she said you boys have fun storming the castle kind of thing. You go on, I'll sit right here. When you come back out and do come back, I'll be right here. And so we went on up into this cave. And uh, this is the big part of the cave. And it narrows down to this little hole um, that you're going to go through to get into the cave It's proper. Uh, and so when you get to this hole, you have to crawl through the the hole because it's not that that big. I mean, it's big enough for... Most humans to get through, but you have to crawl through it. And coming through the cave, coming out of the cave, it feels like an air conditioner blast of air in your face. It's so cold. I mean, it's not warm on the outside, but I mean, it's just like the way... And you get into the cave, and it opens up into this bigger cave. Not bigger, but once you get through the hole, it's, it's pretty big. But you got your light on, you're going... So we went down, um, I don't know, 50 feet or something around a corner, and, um, and we turned off our lights in there. And it's literally, you can't see your hand in front of your face kind of thing. The darkness is overwhelming. The darkness is, I mean, it's pure dark in there. Now, I quickly turned my light back on, and then um, Adam and... Um, Caleb said, they're going to go on down the cave. And I said, I'm good. I've been far enough in a cave. I'm in a cave. It's dark. I'll wait right here. I'll wait right here. You boys go on and enjoy yourselves. So they went on and Adam said they were back in 15 minutes. It was more like a half an hour. They went on to the cave to where they couldn't go anymore. I got so cold, I actually left the cave. Because I said to, I said to myself, they'll find me. They have to, there's only one way out of this cave, and they'll, they'll find me out in the warmth. Now, just to, here's the point I'm trying to get to, uh, besides just telling you a fun story, is this. We, we want sight, right? We want to be able to see. We actually don't enjoy this faith walk, most of us. Because we wanna manipulate our faith walk into a sight walk. We wanna see where we're going. We wanna see what's going. It's the natural inclination of us to walk by sight, not by faith. But God's call on our lives is to walk by faith. And emotionally, there are times where we need to just get through, break through. Oh, by the way, this is a fun part. I get out of the cave. (laughs) <laughs> this has nothing to do with the sermon, except it's funny. We get out of the cave. We're standing back at the point where I showed you the first picture. And we we actually had hats and gloves because it was so cold in this cave. We're putting them all back in. And Caleb goes, hey, where's my wallet? And uh, and I go, well, I hope it's back in the cabin. Why would you bring a wallet on uh He said, no, 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 I brought it. I brought my wallet. He said, I felt it in the cave, and I'm like, but you don't have it now, and he goes, no, what are we doing? Of course, Adam is the adventuresome when he goes, all right, let's go. (laughs) He's already halfway back up the hill, going back in the cave, and I'm like, wait a minute, you're going back into a cave to try and find a lost wallet. It seemed like a hopeless endeavor to me, and so I said to him, your mom and I are going down the mountain. You'll probably catch up with us anyway. we got three miles to go. We'll head down the mountain. Catch us when you can. Good luck. They found the wallet. They caught us at mile one. <laughs> After going back however far, they had to go in the cave. Youth is wonderful. <laughs> Faith deals with the unseen. Hey, by the way, this is just the introduction. Faith comes from receiving God's word. Faith comes from receiving God's word. After the author of Hebrews, and I could slip up and say Paul, because it's kind of in my nature, but we don't know who wrote Hebrews. Probably not even Paul, but we don't know. After the author of Hebrews says it deals with the unseen, he then starts to list people. And he starts with an interesting person. Actually, he starts with Abel. He starts with Abel as this listing of faithful people. And his, his gift was better received from God than Cain's. And he talks about Abel receiving God's promise, receiving God's word. And there's an element that we need to know that we um, receive God's word. How does faith come? It comes from hearing the word of God. It comes from hearing the message, and the message needs to be heard by us. We need the message of God's word in our lives. Um, I've read through the Bible. I was trying to think the other day. I think I've read through it almost every year. I do a yearly Bible reading for the last 20, 25 years. I read through the Bible every year. Why? Because because I'm a pastor and it's my job to read through the Bible? Well, yeah, sort of. But um, that's not the real reason. The real reason is because I need the word of God implanted in my life. I need it solidly implanted so that I can walk by faith and not by sight. Otherwise, I'm tempted to start to walk out of my own strength, my own might, my own intellect, my own stuff. And I need the word of God because really faith is going to come by God's word. Uh, Moving forward, faith is confidence in God. Faith is confidence in God. He he goes on and then talks about uh, Enoch, if I remember right. And Enoch... Enoch's faith is, is a portrayal of relationship with God. My confidence in God is not an intellectual exercise, like, oh, I'm confident with God. I'm confident in God because I'm walking in a relationship with God. Do you Do you understand? In other words, look at these first three points. Faith deals with the unseen, not the things that are seen. Faith comes from receiving God's word. I need to be implanted in God's word. But really, I need to know the word himself and walk in relationship with him. Because that's the way I'll have confidence in him. We declare as Christians to be a faith-driven people, but if we're walking by our own sight, we're not in the word of God, and we have no relationship with God, I would contend we're really not in faith. We're religious, and there's a big difference. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God, he says in this passage. And he goes on back in Habakkuk and Romans to say that the just the righteous, the just, will live by faith. That's how we walk confidently in God. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. All right, let's read Hebrews 11, and that's the intro to what I want to talk about. Is that, that's what faith is. Faith deals with the unseen. It comes from receiving God's word. It's confidence in God. But what is the outcome of faith? How do we walk out this life of faith? And that's what I want to see because many of us, we're we're, we're faith-filled people. We need to have our faith probably boosted, but we're still a people of faith, right? I'm going to go with that. We're a people of faith, but we're living in a time when faith seems to be lessened, minimalized. We're we're, if we're not careful, and this is the reason I'm including it in this God and Country series. If we're not careful, we'll lower our gaze from being a faithful people to being a fearful people just like that. Because of the circumstances of our nation, we've placed more trust in our nation than we have our God, our leaders, than his leadership, our finances rather than his resources. i mean, I go down the list. We need faith. We need to be a people of faith. And I think we're going to need it more and more in the days to come. All right, here we go. Hebrews 11. Hope you've got your Bibles and follow along with me. By faith, I'm going, to, I'm going to read, I'm going to comment, and then I'm going to draw some points out just so you'll, you'll know where we're headed here. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith... He made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Now, again, I'm going to try and comment quickly on these things, and then I'm going to draw these points out. Abraham is called to go right? He's living in this place called Ur of the Chaldees. You you know the story. He gets called to go. Now, what is going to be your first question? Where are we going? I mean, I don't just get in my car. I mean, I'm going to just go. I'm going to take off. I'm going to go. Sometimes I feel like it, don't you? Just hopping in the car and wherever we, you know, I got so many maps on my phone and in my car. It's hard to get lost anymore. But God said, hey, Abram, follow me. Just go. Okay, where are we going? I don't know. I'll tell you when you get there. You're going to have a city. You're going to have an inheritance. Your, your, your children are going to be numbered as the stars. Great. Oh, a couple of problems. One, I don't know where I'm going. How am I going to get there? All I got is tents. I got no city building materials. And, oh, by the way, I have no children. And I'm old, which isn't that big a problem. But, whoa, my wife, she's really old. I don't think she can do this. Go. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. Where's the faith? It's in the one who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he's as good as dead. I love that that phrase. From this one man, he he was as good as dead. Came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. You know, Abraham is used not only in Hebrews, but in Romans as the father of faith. The example of faith. He's as good as dead. Now, without going into the gory details, you know, Abraham had to keep living the life, right? Hello? He had to walk. He had to travel. He had to go. He had to have sex with his wife. And Jesus is good as dead. I mean, he had to live faithfully in order for the faithful promises of God to be fulfilled in his life. We're going to see that coming up. And then the author of Hebrews kind of translates it a little bit. I mean, he moves and, and, and he talks generally and he's going to come back. So he's, he's been listing specific people, but now he's going to make some general statements starting in verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. This is so key, people. Please do not miss this. They did not receive the thing promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. In other words, did Abraham, when he died, have children as numerous as the stars? Did did Abraham have a city? Did Abraham have a land? Did Abraham, he had none of those things. He was still living in a tent when he died. He had one child well too because he tried to help God out. You know, I mean, he didn't have the fulfillment And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. God and country, here we are, people. Where is your country If you're a person of faith, living a life of faith, we're going to pray for this country right now, America, because this is where God has placed us. But this is really not our home. This is not it. If you want to live a faith-filled life, then keep your eyes fixed on the prize. We're going to talk about that coming up. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them the city of God, our home, our ultimate home. Let me keep reading. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. So you remember, Abraham has no child. When he's old, really old, he has a son. Isaac, when the the boy becomes a teenager, God tells him to sacrifice him. God tests him he who has received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. This is such an unbelievable picture of faith. I know you know the story, but Abraham reasoned what? How did Abraham reason that God could raise the dead? Because Isaac was already proof of it. I mean, Abraham and Sarah were dead in their bodies to reproduce. So he's already saying, hey, God made him out of this, me, her. He can can raise dead things to life because he did it in me. And if I do what God says, he'll raise Isaac to life. That is unbelievable faith. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Now, by the way, I'm not going to even talk about the Christ picture here the picture of Jesus, because God did this in his own son. I'm talking about Abraham and his life of faith. And then he's going to, by the way, from this point forward for the next, oh, 16 verses, he's going to, the author of Hebrews, he's going to talk about other people of faith. He's going to talk about Joseph and Moses and starts to list, and he realizes he's taking way too long, kind of like me preaching this sermon. He's taking way too long. So then he just starts naming names. He just starts listing people. And I'm not talking about Gideon and Jephthah. And, then, and he just lists a bunch of names. And then he starts listing categories. Uh, they saved the, from the lion's mouths, uh, defeated enemies. And then he gets going so fast. And then he flips it in verse 35 to one of those passages that is so challenging for all of us where he says this, still talking about faith. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Oh, that's, I like that one. Oh, I'm not so sure about this next one though. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. Okay, they were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. Hey, wait a minute here. I thought we were talking about faith wins. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised and had planned, God had planned something better for us so that only together with with us would they be made perfect. He flips the whole discussion to talk about, look, Abraham, because of this, promised a great land. And then Moses did this and Joseph did this and these other people. And now I'm going to get to the part where these people, some people had a raised from the dead and others did this, but then there are others who were sawn in half, stoned, killed, persecuted, tortured, didn't see life, didn't see those promises. But that's because faith is about what's unseen, not about what's seen. And sometimes the unseen may lead you here, and sometimes it'll lead you here, but ultimately it always leads to a heavenly perspective, a city of God, so that no matter what we go through, we're people of faith. Here's the points I, I would like for us to see as we close out this whole series on God and country. And I think these are really important. Because two weeks from tomorrow, I mean, Tuesday, there's election. I have no idea how it's gonna turn out. I'm not prophetic. I can't can't pick elections. But I can tell you this. There there are gonna be some people who see whatever happens two weeks from Tuesday as the greatest day ever. And there are gonna be some people who see it as the worst day ever. Some people in this room will have different perspectives on that. But faith always anticipates a better day, a better day, not an election day, better day, but a better day. Hebrews 11, 9 and 10, I'm backing up just a little. By faith, he, meaning Abraham, made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, for the, who were heirs with him of the same promise, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. We need to look forward. Faith looks forward. Faith doesn't look backwards. He even says, look, they're looking for a home, a country, a better place. And so they focused on that country. Now, they could have looked back, and they could have gone back. But God is calling us forward ever forward. Moving in faith with him. Moving in confidence with him. And faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's a forward-facing perspective on faith and it's anticipating a better day. And you may say, Pastor Bart, well, when's this better day going to happen? I'm now... 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. It doesn't seem my days are getting better. It seems my days are getting tougher. I haven't seen you come through God now. And again, I, I think that there is, there is a faithfulness relationship with God, but some of it won't be fulfilled in this lifetime. Some of it won't be fulfilled in your children's life. And so what do you do? Do you stop? No, you keep anticipating a better day. What if Abraham had quit? Yeah, I'm done. First of all, God, this land you promised me, there's already peeps here. There's already people here. I'm an alien in this land you promised me. It's not that great. I'm still living in a tent. No. Don't be sidetracked. Abraham became fairly prosperous in his lifetime. So it's not like I'm saying Abraham was this poor nothing. I mean, he he became pretty powerful. God blessed him, but he didn't see the promise in his day. But nonetheless, he kept looking forward to a better day. And he kept building. Please listen to me. He kept building generationally. Faith builds, I think, generationally as well as looks forward to a better day. So... I'm, no, I'm saying two things out of the two sides of my mouth at the same time. Live every day like this is your last day. Live, live every day like this could be it. I could, Jesus could come back right now, or I could drop dead right now. Either way, I'm going to live every day as this is my last day. But I'm also going to live... Generationally, I want to pass it on to the next generation. I want to look forward to a better day. I want to see the next generation come to, to, to receive God. And the, we should always be living with these tensions in our lives. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to dwell there. It anticipates a better day. And I, again, as far as our country is concerned, I don't know what that better day is going to look like. I don't know what. The future is going to hold as far as our nation is concerned. But I'm going to live in faithfulness to God. Faith acts and moves us forward. Faith acts and moves us forward. Thinking about all these people, all of the ones listed in Hebrews 11. They had to do something. Faith was not a mere intellectual thing, right? I mean, the process, this, I, I know this makes sense. You all won't hear here long, but Abram, he's in the herb of the Calvary. God says, get up, go. Well, okay, Lord, I believe in you. I'm faith. I'm faith-filled. I'm so faith-filled, I'm just going to stay here. No, no. Being faith-filled means he had to get up and go, Right? Faith filled means he had to continue to have a relationship with his wife. Being faith filled means he had to act according to God's purpose and plan on his life. We get this faith and works thing all kind of tangled up, but faith is step, faith means it's confidence in God plus myself. I believe in God, I'm filled with confidence in God, but it also means I step out in it. I do what God has called me to do. He says in 32 and 34, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms. I mean, look at all the stuff they did. Through faith, they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. "...who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies." It shows where they're doing something, right? There is a faith-filled response. And I think it's why it doesn't cause, it doesn't cause me a problem with James, who says that faith without works is dead. Uh, it's, we, we get it back. He, he, to me, James, Paul in Ephesians, where he's saying, you are God's workmanship, created it in advance to do good works. Right before he said, without, without faith, it's a, we're saved by faith, grace through faith, that not of ourselves, because we, then we'd boast about it. Now you're God's workmanship. I mean, faith and works, they... they they go hand in glove. If I were to throw a skeleton up here on the stage and say, hey, here's a skeleton. Is this thing alive? You would say, of course. No, it's, it's not alive. It kind of looks a little awkward. Here's the point. Faith, faith breathes into you like The breath of life, but then you, the flesh, the 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 tendons, the sinew, the and then you move in faith. I, I I I'm convicted that I have at times confused faith with an intellectual exercise that says, I believe. Therefore, I have faith. But I think the word of God is clear. My faith, if it doesn't lead to me stepping out in some sort of movement with God, then it's not really faith. It's something else. Because faith without the action that accompanies the faith is dead. Now, please don't get it backwards. Oh, I have to act in order to get faith. I have to do this in order to... But I do believe that there's this cycle of me responding in faith that then builds up faith. Me hearing from God, doing what God says, that then gives me greater greater faith, and I I know theologically that causes us all sorts of problems, but at the same time, please don't sit back and think because you just come to church on a weekly basis and hear me talk about stuff. If If you just come and you hear this message on faith, or if you hear this message on prayer, or you hear this message on whatever, and you go out and you do nothing with it, then whoa, what's going on? If it doesn't impact your life, if you don't move in what God is saying to you and building up within you, then what, have we, what are we doing? We're just religious people. Faith then always perseveres. It never gives up. It keeps moving forward. This is tough. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. They never even saw it in their lifetime, but they kept persevering, kept moving forward, kept acting in in faith. It always perseveres. Verse 39 and 40, I'm still in chapter 11. These were all commended for their faith, but none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us that only together with us would they be made perfect. It keeps moving forward. It never backs up. This morning, there are many of us here today who we need encouragement to keep stepping forward. Keep moving forward. Keep being instilled with faith. Keep uh, God speaking to us. God, I believe, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief to the fact that I have such faith that I step out in faith. I was very emotional during that um, song that God is so, so good. Because I know a lot of hurts and pains in this room. I know a lot of the train wrecks of our lives and you're sitting there thinking and singing oh God is so so good but you're thinking for that person and maybe them and probably maybe them but not for me and I want to say faith always perseveres you're singing of the faithfulness of God They didn't see it in their lifetime. Think about Joseph. You got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Joseph goes down to Egypt, helps his family survive, says to his family when he's dying, hey, don't bury me here. I I don't want to be buried here in Egypt. When we go back, take my bones with you. Do you remember when he got buried? 300 years later, Moses leads the people out of Egypt, a mighty nation, carrying the bones of Joseph. Hey, we're going home. Taking them with him to be buried. We need to persevere. Keep moving forward. He, he Here's... Here's where things flip in Romans, excuse me, Romans, in Hebrews chapter 12, by the way, he then says, therefore, well, what's he building upon? You know, you've heard it. It's a stupid thing. If you see therefore, you got to figure out what is it there for, you know? So he's going back to the chapter before. He's going back. He said, listen, I've listed all of this stuff about faith and 9, 10, and 11, and listed all these things. And and then he comes to this, and because of this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Who are these witnesses? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Abel, Enoch. He's listed a ton of them, and and he gets to the point he can't even list them all. And he says, we're listed, these people are surrounding us. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now think about this. We're now 2,000 years after that. How many more witnesses are surrounding us? Let us, what's our response? Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with, here's that word again, perseverance, the race marked out for us. I don't know if any of you, I don't want to use a running illustration. I know you're going to start throwing things at me, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, when you're running, you're looking to get rid of stuff. You know, if you run a marathon, I got some friends. I got a guy I know who's running like a 24-hour race. People are dadgum crazy. So he's running right now a 24-hour race, which means you run around a one track, for 24 hours to see how far you can go. Last I checked, he was over hundred miles. A hundred miles on a track. You're starting to, I mean, you're trying to get rid of stuff. If you don't want to be entangled when you run. And he's saying the same thing. Therefore, since you've got this great cloud of witnesses cheering you on, get rid of everything that entangles you because faith is all that matters. And the work that results from faith. Get rid of it. You've got a great cloud of witnesses. Don't let sin entangle you. Oh, please, church, hear me. Don't let sin entangle you. And there's a lot of entanglements out there. We we, we live in an age. It's always been easy to get entangled, but I'm not sure there's any other age where it's more easily to get entangled than it is in this age. Don't let it. The entanglements, they just come right into your home. All you got to do is turn on your computer, your phone, whatever, and you can get entangled. Amen? So don't let it happen. Get off TikTok. (laughs) I just thought I'd throw that one out there. Let us fix our eyes where? On Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Therefore, since faith anticipates, it looks forward. Since faith moves, we act upon it, since faith always perseveres, since we're surrounded by these incredible witnesses. These are truths. People, these are truths. Therefore, let us do what? Throw off that everything that it hinders. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning. Let the Spirit of God speak to you about what's hindering your life right now. You, you, you know, I, I, I even hesitate to say I just made fun of TikTok, but TikTok, you know why I can make fun of it? Because it's not my problem, particularly. I don't have a problem with TikTok. I got lots of other problems, though. You do too. But yours are probably specific to you. Throw off whatever entangles you, what hinders you. Run the weight race with perseverance. Keep moving forward. There are times when you're running a race. Um, I know the, the race of life, but in running, you're just like one foot in front of the other. One front, that's all I'm My goal is just get one foot moving. Then I'll get the next one. It, it, we have this joke when I'm running with people. If you're running like 10 miles on a Saturday morning, I know if you're running like 10 miles on a Saturday morning, you can't talk about breakfast at mile one. You can't. It's against the rules. Why? Because you won't want to persevere. You, all you'll think about for the next nine miles is breakfast. Some of you don't understand what I'm saying. But what I'm trying to tell you is you can't talk about it until like mile nine, nine and a half. Then you can talk about breakfast. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you are thinking you're looking way past just think about, at times, running with perseverance. Now, you are fixing your eyes on Jesus, the end. But just keep moving forward, persevering, fixing your eyes on him. Again, another question you could ask, where are your eyes fixed today? I'm afraid there are many of us who have fixed our eyes on an election two weeks from today, t- uh, Tuesday. Or our governmental leaders, and again, I want us to pray. I want us to intercede. I want us to be faith-filled people. But that is not our end. That is not the end goal. Let's fix our eyes upon Him. That way, we won't lose heart and grow weary. Anybody in danger of losing heart? Anybody here today who would say, "You know, I'm just weary. I'm tired of it." I think we all have that tendency. How do we fix that? Well, let's refix our gaze on the thing that it's supposed to be fixed on. You see, God, God matters, and He matters to our faith filled lives, which then matters to our country. But if we get it reversed where we think, okay, our country is really what matters, then we'll lose heart. We'll grow weary. We'll get discouraged. Instead, fix your eyes on him. Run the race well. Lord, thank you for your word in our hearts and in our lives today. I pray that, God, you would direct us, lead us. Lord, I know that right now there are some people here who have lost heart and grown weary. Just keep your eyes closed, but if that you just... Hold out your hand before the Lord. If you would say, you know what, I've grown weary. I'm losing heart here. Lord, I pray that you would touch these people. You would set them free. They would be encouraged this morning that that your life would flow into them and to them. Lord, I pray that faith would just rise up within them this morning. I pray that, God, um, they would be able to keep persevering and not give up. Lord, I pray that all condemnation would be, would be shattered in their lives where they think they've this is, they've messed up so bad they can't get straightened out or this relationship is so messed up or this job is so messed up or my future, I've messed it up so Lord, that they can just put one foot in front of the other to persevere. Lord, I pray for all of us in this place this morning that... Uh, faith would rise up within us. Lord, we say, we believe, help our unbelief. Give us more faith. Gift us with more faith. Right now, I want you to stand up with me and to sing that chorus that we ended the, the worship with a little earlier, All My Life You Have Been Faithful. And instead of seeing it just as a... As, as God has done something in your life. Instead, sing of his faithfulness. Just for a moment, then Scott's going to come. He's going to give us a couple announcements, then we're going to take up an offering. We're just going to celebrate for a minute before we leave. And all my life you have been faithful. So good. Every breath that I am made, I will sing of the goodness of God. Let's sing that again. all my life, and all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so so good every breath that i am made i will sing of the goodness of god amen well as we just want to stay in the spirit of of worship and recognizing the goodness of god um, what better way to recognize that than to